Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Purposely Local, a podcast where we speak about local businesses, shops, initiatives, and ideas that are shaping and transforming the new world of local. Our plan is not to talk about how your business is doing or what your business is about. We will focus on the why it's local and purpose, all in the same podcast. Today, I am super excited about this episode for two reasons. Number one, because we are speaking with an entrepreneur who started a local business during the quarantine. And second, because her business is one of my favorite things in the world, which is matcha. Yes, Aiko created her own matcha brand called Machalo, right? Machalo? That's the way they right. Awesome. Bachelor. So welcome, Michael. Nice to be here. Hi. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So Aiko is a local entrepreneur who started her own matcha tea brand. According to her bio, she wants to connect to her Japanese heritage. She's a former designer who works for several companies in California, actually 10 years of experience in residential, commercial, and urban design projects. And suddenly the quarantine came and he said, I want to start my own matcha brand. Is that right? right? That's right. Oh my God. So I met Aiko, actually we don't know each other, but I met her during a clubhouse conversation that I was hosting for my business. And I saw she was there a few weeks ago and I literally saw her profile and I said, wow, this person started a new matcha brand in the middle of the quarantine. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be a very good conversation. So I contacted her via social media. She responded and we arranged this time and that's it. We're here. And how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Daniel. What a great intro. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you I'm glad you <laughs> like it. So I'd like to, since you refer as part of your mission, you talk about your heritage, right? Yeah. So how's uh, how do you grow where did you grow up first? And what memories do you have for your childhood? And I know how is that connected to what you're currently doing? Sure. So uh, I was born actually in Cincinnati, Ohio, lived there for only one year, moved to Denver, Colorado. So I spent my childhood in the foothills about half an hour outside of Denver. And I grew up in the um, 70s and 80s and I had a very, uh, I had a, I had a, a great, a good childhood out in nature you know, Colorado is a very outdoorsy state. Um, my parents really appreciated the outdoors and, and being out in nature and camping and um, and also exposing me to cultural influences, art and um, different parts of the world. And with my mother's um, heritage from Japan, that really influenced a lot of my upbringing greatly. What? So eventually we moved to California, Los Angeles, when I was um, 11 years old, 
My brother and I and my parents, uh, we moved to Los Angeles, and that was uh, in the mid-80s, and that's where I went to high school and um, college, and so I've been in Southern California my entire adult life. So I'm, I'm here now in Santa Barbara, and so I'm back and forth between LA and Santa Barbara. Awesome. That's pretty good. So do you have... Do you have any do you have any memories from those days when you started that actually connects with what you're currently doing now or it was just something that just came out in your adult life? Yeah, gosh, there's so much there. It naturally evolved into this. And it was sort of a an accumulation of several things. So you did mention that um, I started the business last year during the pandemic and you're absolutely right. So I know the quarantine and the pandemic's been one of the most challenging things that, you know, the world has come across in decades. And I know for many people, most people, it's it's been real hardship. My story's a little different. It actually was a blessing for me because I am one of those people where I had some opportunities and I jumped at them and I did a full pivot And I left my, my full-time job. So I was, you know, I had a full-time uh, corporate job in a really very creative industry. However, I was laid off. My entire team was laid off because of COVID. And uh, so I thought, well, what do I do now? Right? That's the next question I think someone would ask themselves. And um, being a creative person in the creative field, I obviously wanted to do something creative and something new. It took me a few months. It's not something that happened right away. I was on a mission to find a coffee alternative. And so I think a combination of, you know, wanting to find something healthy that I could drink that gave me an energy boost that was not coffee and I had tried other things that never really stuck around. I really wanted to explore green tea, Japanese green tea specifically. And I went down that path of, of trying different teas and I wasn't happy with what I was finding at the local stores, local markets. It just, I knew there was better stuff available and it was just not accessible. So that went on for a few weeks, a couple of months here. You know, we were in the summertime during the pandemic. Everything was on a lockdown. And I went to actually visit my mother, who is up here in Santa Barbara, where I am now. I went to visit my mother during the quarantine. And I ended up staying with her for several weeks. It was totally unplanned. I had only packed a bag for about one week. And it evolved into a couple of weeks, which evolved into a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I knew I took advantage of this time with my mother, learning about the heritage and my Japanese culture. Okay. Yeah, it's, you know. Where's your mom from exactly? She's, she was born about half an hour outside of Tokyo and okay. raised in Tokyo. She was born the year of the bombing. Hiroshima bombings about a month after the bombing actually I knew that taking advantage of just this time with my mom I wanted to learn more about my Japanese heritage 
that's something that had always been sort of this longing inside of me, you know, sort of this bit of a hole inside of me being kind of a product of both worlds, you know, being born and raised in Southern California, this California girl, but I have this like heritage across the seas that I really didn't know very much about. And it made me sad. I felt like I was like living in the, in these two worlds, you know, not really fitting in to this like typical American, you know, person. I was going to ask, do you remember a little bit of how that conversation went? And what was exactly the point of that conversation that turns you into, into matcha? You know, it's funny. I, I don't know exactly when that happened. Okay, that's good. That's a good starting. Well, you know, it's funny. I back up a bit. It Actually, I wanted to do a, a sparkling tea beverage. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted, yeah, and it was green tea. It was a green tea, sparkling tea beverage. So, you know, it's, I don't know exactly how that thought even like manifested, but I'd say a few weeks after that, I thought, well, you know, that seems really, really challenging. How about loose leaf green tea? And then it just started from there. My okay. mom said, great. You know, I said, there's a lot of good green tea out there. And I really didn't know very much about matcha at that point either. Right. So I have something here that I saw on a Facebook post that you put recently. And actually, when I read it, I said, wow, I see myself here because I went through this experience as well. You said in this post, and, I, and I'm going to read it, when typically we are exposed to a green tea by way of sat, bagged teas bought at a grocery store or at a coffee shop, guys, green tea is a 50 cent bag and it's going to taste awful. No other way to put it. And then you said later, I'm blown away by what I have learned in the past few months. And I want to share it with you all. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about exactly what do you want to share? <laughs> and, and I think this is exactly what people need to understand. I mean, I am, I am a, a, a big matchup fan and I can totally relate to your experience. But what did you learn exactly about matcha that you don't see in any other type of teas in, that are in the market, those awful teas that you mentioned that you can find in the grocery store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. You know, I, I just this journey has just blown my mind completely. I'm so excited for the future of this. I really didn't know. It, it's it, There's a whole global perspective here. You know, it's it's the global tea industry. And unfortunately, what we're given at the grocery stores and cafes and restaurants across the U.S. are these sad, bagged teas that are proposing to be the tea, right? And that's how we think of tea. And it's a travesty because that stuff that we're given is the lowest grade, bottom of the barrel, the shake you know, the stuff that had just fallen through and it's awful. It's really low grade. So what I've learned in the tea industry is that grade matters and the quality really matters. 
So it's unfortunate and it's like turning the tide on, you know, on what we're accustomed to. So there is a global tea movement. I'm not alone on this journey and in this movement. You know, there's, there's several tea connoisseurs and tea industry folks out there that are really trying to spread the message and, and promote real tea. So matcha, getting to your question, is uh, it's, it's a form of powdered green tea. And the reason why I love matcha so much is because well, there's many reasons. It's a, it's a very high quality form of tea. There are low grade tea, low grade matchas out there. So there's a little bit of, you know, learning how to differentiate between the high grade and low grade. But essentially matcha is, is a ground tea plant into a powder. So you're, you're ingesting the entire tea plant, the entire leaf. So you're consuming all the health benefits, all the nutrition that's in the tea leaf. So all the antioxidants, the amino acids, chlorophyll, you know, all these vitamins, nutrients that are, that are in the tea leaf. And there's okay. a whole list of things. Yeah. It tastes Good. delicious. It's easy to make. It's so simple and beautiful. It's Compared to coffee, I can't wait to even get into the comparisons of coffee. I mean, the, the grinding, I was a coffee drinker for 20 years and I don't even drink coffee anymore. You know, grinding the coffee beans, the mess that it makes, the bad breath. I mean, it's, you know, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, me, matcha is this like clean form of, of energy and it's just a beautiful drink. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with you. What, what is it that you find as an entrepreneur, you as a person in matcha that it's give you so much passion to, to talk about this topic and to be, you know, we, we can be talking about matcha here, I believe for hours, but I want to learn what do you see in matcha that drives you as an entrepreneur to start a company or a new brand of matcha? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's a lot there that I'm so excited about that I feel I can really just get into and dive deep and it'll, I mean, I could do this for years, you know, I could, there's so much to learn about it. Number one, it's just, it's just a beautiful drink. I have it every morning. So I'm a very routine oriented person. You know, I'm very like my morning ritual is like, you know, for a decade, for a couple decades, many, many years, it was, it was the coffee ritual. You know, I had my macchiato or cortado, you know, and uh, it was just, I had to have it to start my day. Well, so now I have that in matcha and um, there, I feel so much better in so many different ways. So there's the health benefits there's how I feel energetically. I feel so much better drinking the matcha. And then there's the whole entire, the history and the culture behind the matcha. That's just supports everything, you know? So it's almost just like sustainability. You know, I, my background's in landscape architecture and, and environmental science. So we talk about sustainability and there's three pillars in sustainability. You know, it's economic, environmental, and like social. And so when it meets all three of those, then you have a sustainable product. And so, you know, I see the sustainability in matcha on so many levels, you know, environmentally, it's, it's, there's so many benefits. It's, it's a simple product, it's not wasteful. And 
you know, ecologically, it's, it's good. Financially, it's beneficial. Socially, there's so many social aspects to it. So there's so much to get into, you know. And again, the history and the heritage is something I'm so excited to learn more about. You know, the history goes back for back to the 1600s, at least, starting in Japan, in terms of what we have as modern day matcha and green tea. Started in the 1600s with the during the samurai period. Wow. I mean, wow. it's just so cool. It's amazing. The samurai so warriors would drink this and the Zen Buddhist monks. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. That this is this is fascinating. Uh, what is so you started this business during COVID, right? And as you know, I, I've been asking this question to a lot of other guests in the podcast too, because COVID has been an accelerator for great and bad things as well. How COVID helped you in this case to launch your business? And what was the trigger during COVID times that makes you to start doing this? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Well, obviously being unemployed, that's a big trigger. So there, it's a large trigger to figure out, well, what's, what's my next move, right? So I ran through the options. The options were to go back to my corporate life and working for another corporate landscape firm, which is always an option. My other option was to do something new. So I heard a lot of talk about pivoting and being flexible and, you know, thinking creatively now that everything's changed, you know, so much change is going on in the world with, with COVID and people having to really kind of take a shift, you know, and, and do something different. So I think, you know, I think I had this entrepreneurial spirit. I think I've always sort of carried this with me since I was young. You know, I'd worked since I was, well, actually my first paid job was 16 years old, but I had always worked since I was 11 years old in the neighborhoods. It's like the neighborhood nanny. <laughs> so I'd really been working since 11. You know, I'd always had these little entrepreneurial side jobs and side hustles. I was very fortunate that I was you know, receiving some um, unemployment compensation. I did, I actually did cancel my, my lease on my apartment in LA. You know, I broke the lease early and they allowed me to do so. You know, I had to pay a small fee versus like a huge fee to do so. So I, I kind of, I made some big changes. Once I decided I wanted to do this, I made some big changes and I went a hundred percent I dove in 100%. And since day one, I've been working on this for almost eight months now. Wow. And it's been a full-time job just getting to this point. I know. I know. Believe me, I, I started businesses before and I know how long it could take and the effort that you need to make. I mean, you, by the way, you have a beautiful website and you Thank can you. It took really- me seven months to launch the website. Yes, I can imagine. And believe me, I learned how difficult it is to do that because you need to have a compelling story, beautiful pictures, copy needs to be right. I mean, it's, a, it's almost like people don't understand, but I think creating a website, it could be as difficult as making a movie. 
You're creating something from total scratch, a blank slate, right? I mean, there's a million different options you can go in. Yes, Uh, absolutely, absolutely. A landing page is an art itself. (laughs) (laughs) So talking about your website, I saw a work there that you said is a popular expression in Japan that is ganbat or gambate? Yes, gambate. Gambate, gambate. Okay, thank you. Gambate, which means do your best. Hi, yes. Is this part of your values or can you elaborate a little more on this? Because I'm very intrigued about about this (laughs) word. Yes, yes. Well, you know, this is gambate is a term that is said fairly often in Japan. And it's just that it's like this Japanese spirit of do your best. You know, the Japanese people are very, very beautiful, hardworking, resilient people. They're so resilient. They understand how to persevere in very challenging times and they work very hard. And uh, yeah, it's just you know, it's this beautiful saying that we say that we say to one another, you know, when especially someone who's, you know, trying to start something new or who's working on something, you know, it's like saying good luck, Ganbate, do your best. So, nice. yeah, I just thought that was a really nice little motto for, for Machilo, you know, because my hope is that, you know, this company, you know, is successful and that it helps other people succeed. You know, it's, whether it's with their, you know, health uh, challenges or trying to improve their health or just improve some aspect in their life, you know, that, that this will be able to help them do their best. Yeah, definitely. And this is what I was thinking about this word, gambate. For me, when I, when I have matcha, it gives me like a kick, right? Like I feel like it's almost like a kick that you get this energy for out of nowhere that you were not expecting. And it feels... Amazing. And I can totally relate to this word because it's like, it's, it's like matcha is telling you, do your best. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes, it is. It's this little like word. It's like matcha is like, you know, whispering out, Ganbate. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And by, and by the way, I didn't mention it before. I, I, I've been thinking about this concept that you, that you mentioned earlier in the conversation that how matcha is sustainable. I mean, that's, that's like an amazing concept. And I'm telling you, I don't know if this is going to end up in the recording or not, this part I'm telling you now, but I think this is something that you should use in your communication. Because- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't thought that one through completely. It's definitely one of the themes, you know, that's, that's on my list. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. I mean, I can totally see how the way that you explain it, that, you know, the the pillars of sustainability and how that applies specifically to to matcha, it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, I know just like on a very tangible, you know, tangibility wise, it's very, it's, there's less waste. You're, you know, you're just, it's so simple. You're not throwing anything away. You're in, you're consuming the entire powder with just some water and um, it's very quick and easy to make. So you're saving time and and yet you're still taking part in this bit of a ritual, you know, to prepare it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So I, I was reading about the product itself, about your your company, and one of the things that I think you have is that the 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 tea herbs that you're bringing to to this matcha, they're coming directly from certain region in Japan. Is that correct? Yes, the one I'm sourcing right now is from southern Japan. It's an island called Kyushu. Okay. It's the southernmost island in Japan. Okay. But matcha is grown throughout Japan in different areas. Right, right. But the one that you are that you have in your in your company is that a specific region, right? Yes. Okay. What why did you choose that specific region? And the reason why I ask is because that's what I think that in in, in my train of thoughts, you meet the criteria of local and purpose, because clearly this is a, an, an amazing purpose that you have. But then you also have this specific matcha that is coming from a very specific local region in Japan. So why did you choose that specific region? Do you went through a process of tasting different ones or you just choose that one because you knew or I'm curious about how that process went? I'm so glad you asked. There is a there is a reason. I have family from that region of Japan. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I decided right now to just stay with that region for that reason. And I'm so excited to sort of reconnect with some relatives I have there. And there's a little bit of a lineage there. You know, I have an ancestral tree that goes back several, several generations to 1700s at least. So I, I have a handwritten in all in Chinese family tree. So I, I do have um, some relatives there and they actually own a, they're six generation sake brewers on the island. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. You can make a documentary of that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> That would be amazing. The, the, one of the, the building is a, designated as a historical landmark. Yeah. So if I am, let's say I am a customer and I'm looking into all these different matchas brands that are in the market today, and suddenly I see your brand, Matchalo, in front, what do you want the customer to think that why your brand is different from the others or what makes it special? And maybe you can focus on one thing. I know we've been talking about this. There's a lot of special things just out of the conversation that we're having. But thinking about the end consumer, what would be your ideal thing that you want them to, to understand that, okay, Machalo is different because da, 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 da. Yeah, so that's a good question again. I would say... I wanted my product to be very accessible for anyone in the United, any American, something that's not so foreign that they're afraid to try it or they don't understand what it is. You know, I, I really wanted it to be something that's accessible, easy for them to try. It's a little bit of like an invite, you know, an invitation to, to the world, you know, this huge this world of Japanese teas, you know? Good. I love it. I love it. What is the most difficult part of being Aiko today? <laughs> Gosh, what a question. Oh my. Well, you know, I, <laughs> Aiko is like, it's, I'm like, Machalo, like I don't even know how to separate that out anymore. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm like, my to-do, my personal to-do list has like, I don't even look at that anymore. You know, okay. I, it's like turned into like modular to-do list. And I, I just okay. went into my personal to-do list the other day and I was like, oh, how sad. I've neglected my whole. <laughs> okay. Let, let me just rephrase the question then. What is the most difficult part of being machalo today? Oh gosh, you know, it's, there's, I think taking it in stride, you know, and just knowing that, you know, nothing is built in a day. Rome's not built in a day. The whole process takes a lot of time, a lot of work. <laughs> there's so much that I want to do, right? And it, but it's like, okay, just one thing at a time, I'll get there. You know, I know I'll get there. I'm not there yet. You know, it, it's hard to not compare, you know, with with other things going on and like, oh, I want that or I want to be like that, you know, that big or, you know, what have you. So I think it's really just, um, you know, taking things in stride and just moving forward, staying optimistic right now, you know, all the challenges of running a small business online, you know, it feels very detached, feels very isolated. So I've really been diving into social media like never before, you know, I'd never really had a use for social media. Mm. And now it's like, how else can you really operate a business without social media these days? Yeah. It really is mind boggling. Yeah, especially with COVID in the middle. I mean, how can you reach a consumer? And, and you said the, the magic words, e-commerce. I mean, everyone needs to understand how yeah. to operate on an e-commerce business. Yeah, today. this is a totally different world for me. Not my wheelhouse at all. I mean, for two decades, I was in a you know corporate office. I worked for some of the top design firms in LA, which I was very fortunate, beautiful office. And, you know, it's a very different, different world. And uh, I'm happy to leave that world. And now I'm in this like social media, e-commerce, small business, supporting small business world. Yeah. You know, and it's great to know it's out there and there's a lot to learn. And, and, and it's, it's a real challenge for the small businesses. You know, I'm really excited for your podcast too. And, you know, to connect with other small businesses and, and to support each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's all about communities at the end too. And I think I've been I've been an entrepreneur for my all my career, almost. I had a couple of corporate jobs in the past, but I've been an entrepreneur for for many years. And I I think it's very important the support of the community because one thing that I learned is that it doesn't matter what industries are you in, we all face the same challenges. It's similar. I mean, I can be. I can have a startup in the fashion tech space, a video production business, and you're launching your own matcha. But we all, we all, all of those three businesses, they're all facing the same challenges of cash flow, marketing, how to grow, how to get more customers, you know, how to build your mission, how to create a, a compelling story in the landing page that we were talking before. So it's we we're all in the same boat. And the more that we are together the more we can learn from the experiences of each other. And that's why every time I hear about a community entrepreneur organization, let me go and try it, you know, you know, ta, ta, ta. And then I learned so much from coaches, from other businesses that I think that's, that's how you, that's how you grow. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just like one thing kind of led to another, you know, leads to another. Yeah. Um, exactly. I yeah. listen to podcasts and, you know, people that are really involved with marketing and small business. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's, uh, so I'd say that's it. It's a big challenge. Staying, staying afloat. I would not take advantage of this time to ask you a key question about matcha. <laughs> I know this is podcast is supposed to be, it is about purpose and the why and everything, but I'm going to break my own rule here because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a matcha fan and I have a matcha expert in front of me and I need to ask you this question. So yes. I have this argument with a friend of mine because we both are very good matcha drinkers. And he was telling me the other day, and I saw these two options in your website, and that's why I'm asking you this. What is the difference between mixing the matcha with the electric froster or doing it with the, with the traditional tools? Is there a yeah. difference between both? Yes, yes, there, there is a difference. Well, so personally, I use the, the electric handheld frother when I'm making a latte. So with some sort of a plant milk, with or without a little bit of a sweetener because it's sort of a thicker liquid and that bamboo whisk is really not going to do the job. So I like to just use an electric frother and just get in there and mix it up real good. The bamboo whisk is a traditional tool that whisks the, the powder with the water and there's no tool that works as well to get this like frothy, foamy matcha. So that's the beauty of matcha is when you have it in a matcha bowl uh, with a little bit of water and you use this tool, this bamboo whisk, in about 10 seconds, it starts to froth and you get this amazing creamy, foamy texture in the matcha. And it's just another very simple way to get foam. I mean, who knew without batteries and a electric socket, you know, and this heavy machinery that you could create foam and froth with just a bamboo whisk. It's yeah. incredible. And these are hand carved bamboo whisks. They um, have at least 80 tines or 80 little prongs. And you can get up to 120 times, and those are more expensive whisks. So there's a whole world of different types and different qualities of whisks also, and they're collectible items. Yes, which I, which I saw you have some of those in your, in your website too, that you, you have listed yeah. in your website too. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. This is also an interesting learning lesson from entrepreneurs. Uh, we all entrepreneurs learn, we always learn from mistakes, right? So today, as, as you know, I'm drinking matcha and it's the first time I did it with water and the froster, electric froster. Uh, okay. And I can totally relate to what you're saying because I couldn't get the, the, that same... Uh, Frothy or foamy, yeah. creamy foam. Exactly. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. It's just a different texture. It's something about the bamboo whisk. It's specifically designed and crafted over, you know the hundreds of years of refining exactly how these little tines are shaped. And it just perfectly whisks up this, the matcha and it makes it frothy. It's amazing. My friend Kedar 
This is for you. I hope you listen to this and you're <laughs> listening to this part now. So as you know, the, the podcast is about local businesses. What industries or businesses today are big examples of local businesses that you want to maybe give them a shout out? It doesn't have to be, of course, in your industry, but something local that you have seen probably in your community or something that you want to say, I really love what this X is doing or this specific store or this industry or something that you want to mm -hmm. give them a, a shout out or your yeah, That's a good question. Let's see. I'm fairly new to my community and because of COVID, so I moved up here and I, you know, everything's been kind of on lockdown. So um, there's a couple, there's, let's, gosh, let me think. There's another, I met someone starting an Italian olive oil company and he's here importing from Italy. So it's not like great. These olives aren't grown locally. So California, we have a lot of local olive orchards like Napa and Santa Barbara and they produce. Right. So I don't know. He's local, but like me, he's importing from his family farm actually in Italy. There's, there's another company called Empowered Bakery and they're an e-commerce local Santa Barbara business that makes these healthy little like snacks, like super energy food bites, I guess, like these energy bites. So it's like a healthy treat. And I just ordered a, a case of those from this company. They have some like superfood ashwagandha powder, if you've heard of that. It like helps with brain function. And there's several small restaurants. Santa Barbara's got a real local community. We have, there's a real strong support base here. A lot of local cafes and restaurants and uh, e-commerce businesses. I'm still trying to kind of learn, you know, about some of these new businesses. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So to finish, how can people find you? Maybe if you want to give us a little brief on where can they find a matcha law, if there's available in retail, if it's only e-commerce and how they can buy one of your uh, products. By the way, I purchased one today, this morning, so it should be getting in the next couple of days. But definitely let you know because I'm a, I'm a big matcha drinker. Uh, so I'll definitely give you my review there after I, I, I taste it. Yes, I'm excited to send that out to you. Well, so my products uh, are on my website. So they're available for shipping anywhere in the United States. Whether I'm going to ship overseas, I don't know. That's, you know, in the future, perhaps. So right now on my website, I am trying to get it into some local retailers. So that's sort of my next thing that I'm working on right now, some local, several coffee shops and uh, like bakery cafes in town. And then there's a few smaller like mom and pop grocery stores in town. So some local health food stores, grocery stores. Yeah. So oh. I'll be, yeah. yeah. And the website well, is machalo.com, right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Great. Awesome. So anything else that you want to share? Maybe I didn't ask you and you didn't want to share before we say goodbye? Well, I just, you know, I really want to thank you for this opportunity. I'm growing, evolving, you know, like any small business. And I hope people are interested. And, you know, I'm on the social media channels, mostly Instagram, working towards Pinterest in the future. 
but I am going to be adding a lot of information about, you know, the, the history, the culture of tea, you know, different, the farmers that are producing the teas. That's, that's a big part of what I'm trying to share. And yeah, you know, every tea has a different balance. I did want to add, you know, people that are like caffeine sensitive, because that was me for a very long time. That's one of the reasons why I quit drinking coffee and shifted to matcha was I did have caffeine sensitivity. So I've experimented. There are differences with different matchas as well. So aside from the caffeine in matcha, there are, there's something called theanine, which is an amino acid. And that helps regulate the caffeine into the bloodstream. It helps give it like a slow release over time. So the effect is much different than coffee. It's not like jolts and jitters. So I just really want to bring that to people's attention, you know, that it creates this real nice, like focused awareness. The theanine creates alpha waves in the brain, same as when you meditate. So it, reacts, it creates like neurotransmitter reactions in the brain. So it gives you this like calm, relaxed state as well. So it's a really good feeling. You know, I I recommend people give it a try for like a week and just see how they feel and adjust the levels, the intake according to their, you know, their body. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm there. I'm there. I definitely feel that. I think what what you just (laughs) described is, is the kick that I have every time I have a match. I'm, I'm a big matcha drinker. I also stopped drinking coffee f- years ago. I first switched to chai, which I still do chai as well. But matcha is completely different. I mean, there, there's two different type of. I know there's complete. There's two completely different type of teas. But matcha is is definitely one of my favorites, and I encourage people to try it. I mean, it's a, it's like everything in the world. I always I always and this is also applies to entrepreneurship as well. I think that. The more we experiment with ourselves and with tasting new things and, and you know, it's, it's different when you hear the story from someone to tell you, hey, you know, this is great. You should try it. But until you don't try it, you don't know if it's good or bad, you know. And of course, it will create different effects for different people. I mean, and that's why, for example, one of my biggest thing, especially since COVID, is being to continue experimenting in the, into new things. I started, for example, doing intermittent fasting. I'm about to actually, it's going to be a year until when I, I, I first started. And that's another good thing about matcha because I can still drink it with water while I'm fasting. And yeah, anyway, so I definitely encourage people to try and see if they like it. I mean, I really like the effect and I think it's definitely yeah. a good substitute for coffee and more healthy and sustainable, as you said. Yes, yeah, sustainability. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Aiko. It's been a pleasure to speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Really great to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this amazing story from Aiko and her matcha brand, Machalo, in Santa Barbara, California. I'm super excited about trying this matcha and super delighted about her story as well. If you have any ideas or any local businesses that you want to feature, feel free to email me at daniel.salcedo, S-A-L-C-E-D-O at gmail.com. 
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope to see you back in our next episode.